Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSB Magazine. Every company has a story to tell, from the small startup to the large enterprise, and everything in between. This is one of them. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. <laughs> Who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? Not, not me. No, you're going to call the professionals. <laughs> That's right. We, uh, we're going to call the professionals uh, to, to deal with the ghosts that, uh, that are lingering. Ten, ten years of ghosts have been around, Marco. Ten years? I think there's Probably been more than ten years. Ten years is when uh, someone, uh, some company that we're going to name really soon, started to create some reports. So if they decided to create a report 10 years ago, I'm pretty sure it's been a few years before than that, that this was already a a pesky problem. Let's call it that, a pesky problem, which is not ghosts, though. Not ghosts, no. What is a ghost? The the ghosts are one type of these things. But uh, (laughs) let's just just say that uh, the, the traffic on the Internet is not always driven by humans there's a lot driven by bots and uh which are basically little bits of uh machine code that uh act on our behalf or do things that so we don't have to and a lot of it's for good purposes uh customer supports uh probably a good example of that where you interact with something to find something else uh to uh not waste somebody's personal uh, physical time as a human. <laughs> um, but a lot of that stuff can be used nefariously because at the end of the day, uh, we're not ghosts. We are humans and humans do weird things. And uh, so a lot of the traffic we see on the internet uh, is not always human and not always good. And our good friends at Imperva have been uh, following this trend, as we noted, for 10 years or longer and have produced a report on this. And I mean, a decade of, of following these bots to see what's happening. There's a lot. And I'm very, very interested and excited to have this conversation and kind of take a look back at 10 years, how, how things have changed over time and, and where we kind of sit. And of course, Marco, you, you won't uh, rest without us going into the future. So we'll have a peek there too. Um, For sure. That's, that's probably enough for me talking. Uh, the, the real star of this show is Carl Trebus. Carl, how are you? I'm doing great. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on today. Of course. Is, uh, of course. This is going to be fun. And uh, Carl, uh, a few words about, uh, before we get started, a few words about your role at Imperva and some of the things you you uh, do there. Uh, I presume it, a lot of it is bot-oriented, but, uh, but what else goes on there? Yeah, so I'm the, the general manager here for the AppSec business unit at Imperva. And we focus exclusively on application security when I talk about AppSec. And what that means is it's bots are absolutely a critical component of that. Um, but, but we also protect, uh, you know, APIs, for example. Um, we protect your web applications. We protect your networks, you know, against DDoS attacks and other types of malicious behaviors. You know, we protect the NSSEC. Um, and we've done this. That's, the, that's basically the history of the company. It's been it's a pure play security company, very much focused on application security. And so that's what we do day in and day out. And the, and the bots are, are, are critical to that because they, they act as a delivery mechanism for a lot of this, these malicious or these, these attacks. Um, and they do it by you know, essentially emulating valid humans. Right? What they're trying to do is look like a human, but do bad things behind the scenes. And that's, that's really you know, why you gotta watch these bots and they can do it at speed in very, in very sophisticated ways. Yeah, and there is a reason, I guess, why the the report is not called the the bot report, but it's called the bad bot report, because uh, that's that's unfortunately where we have to focus. But I always like to to have this conversation, and I, if I'm wrong, this is at least the 
the fourth time that we talk about these reports in the past uh, years. And so we, we have a clear idea, at least Sean and, and myself are prepared to, to this, but there may be uh, some new listener in the audience that are that are not so prepared. So maybe it would be good to start, um, as Sean said, I'd like to ask a futuristic question, but you got to start from the past. So how do we get to where we are now? And um, and I have to say, you, you mentioned before we started recording, this year, Seems like it's uh, the the interest for this report is even bigger. So it's not it's not a fad that is going away, right? Yeah, I mean we're just seeing this problem grow um, over time, and we've been doing this for ten years, like you said. Um, we get a really good response every year. A lot of you know we provide a lot of interesting data. We try not to we don't focus on you know our product or anything like that. We're actually just producing what we see out there based upon our analytics and what we see both through our, we, you know, we provide a big SaaS service. And so we see a lot of things through that. We have other mechanisms for going out and doing searching through our, um, for these different types of bots through our, our threat research team. And like we said, is that we just see it continue to grow. Um, and this year in particular, I think it just seems to have hit a nerve or maybe we hit kind of some critical point because it, it is definitely a much bigger, you know, in terms of the interest, the amount of feedback that we've seen on this report, this year and specifically has been a much bigger year than previous years is the way I'd characterize it. And I'm guessing AI, that you're going to talk about that later? <laughs> absolutely. AI is on top of everybody's minds today, you know, um, in various ways. And absolutely, that's, you know, we, we actually leverage AI and other mechanisms, machine learning, have done it for years to help detect and do these things. But but now, you know, with that, you know, you know, basically like hugging face and chat GPT and all that, um, they, they're democratizing, you know, the access to AI, which means the barriers to entry to do sophisticated things quickly and easily is dropping rapidly, right? And so that's that's what you got to be aware of. It's because that that will change the attack profiles and the types of attacks we see. So, so I, I expect next year's report to be um, very inclusive, a lot of new style of attacks based upon that. And when when Marco and I can get our hands on AI and Chat GPT uh, type stuff, we're we're in a world of world of trouble but um <laughs> yeah but on, a, but on a serious note let, let, let's look back because and maybe connect it to kind of the history or the some of the trends throughout the years in the report as well what's changed from uh well, let's just focus on the the business environment uh infrastructure um i can point to a couple things to kind of give you an idea where i'm headed with this um the number of uh, homegrown applications within an organization. How has that changed um, with that APIs, uh, cloud? Just to, and I'll I'll leave it to you to kind of paint the full picture here. But those are kind of some of the things that I'm thinking of. How how have things shifted in ten years? That and here's the kicker that have enabled bots to uh, succeed and grow over time as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of a lot of things that have happened. Um, and I think what you're pointing out a lot is the attack surface has changed significantly in the last 10 years, because in the past, especially enterprise, kind of the classic enterprise IT application was built fairly monolithic. You know, you would have a team that would put together a stack and it would run um, in its whole, you know, on either servers within the data center, or it could be running like on a cloud server. But the application itself was this very monolithic app where the OS was built in and everything kind of happened within this stack and any modifications was in this stack. In the last 10 years, you know, apps bec have become distributed. Um, and what that means is these monoliths have been broken up. Um, and, the, and, and they do that because one, you want to have scalability. Two, you want to break it up. To, to allow it to run in different types of infrastructure, you know, flexibly. Um, and so those are some of the big changes. The other, the other changes with that as well has been how the, the applications are put together, open source specifically. There's been an explosion in the use of open source uh, in the last 10 years. Just look at, just go on to what is it, um, the various, you know, GitHub repositories out there and the open source project du jour. Uh, and these things get leveraged um, in, in many different ways. So for example, you could be building an app, you need a database, you may go to Amazon, leverage one of their databases, but maybe you're doing a self-managed version of Kafka and, and tying that in. So there's some open source you're having to manage and you've opened up your attack service because now you have something that's not being controlled by you, that, that there could be code defects and other kind of vulnerabilities that hackers can take advantage of. 
Um, you know, good examples of that would be the log for shell vulnerability that came out, you know, over about a year and a half ago um, in Java. Um, and so Java applications that were unprotected or unpatched were, were susceptible to that. So, so with that landscape of changes with, with, you know, the types of components that come together, how they're being distributed. And then on top of that now becoming API driven because not all automation is bad automation. You know, in fact, you know, there's many cases for good automation um, you know, like um, business to business systems, inventory management, there's all sorts of applications where you want to be able to share and freely exchange data in an automated way. And APIs absolutely support that. Um, but because they're open um, and, you know, developed by developers, you know, and I'm a developer by trade, um, you know, that a lot, a lot of times they're focused on, you know, how do they get the business logic in versus how do they protect the business logic? They don't really, they're not security experts. And so all these things conspire to kind of create this, this landscape or this, this, this vulnerability, these vulnerability, this vulnerability landscape that, that just broadens that attack surface for, for these different, you know, bad bots, if you will. So we, we know that the bottle of, you know, good versus evil is never ending and we're not hoping to resolve cybersecurity issues and problem in one conversation nor or in 1,500 like we've done on ITSP Magazine. But uh, we also know that this, this bottle goes on. And uh, so as you mentioned, a lot of different way that the, the, the bad guys have been working with the new technology, I'm also assuming that there are some advantage in using AI or other advanced technology and we're fighting that bottle in a different way than what we were doing maybe 10 years ago. So you, can, you, can you tell us a little bit about what, are being, what has been the, the, the evolution on the, on the good guy's side? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it is an arms race, like you said, you know, being able to keep up with these different exploits or, stay, or try to stay ahead of them. Um, I, I would say that the pervasive feature of the last 10 years has been the sophistication of the bots and how they've increased. You know, back in 2014, we first started seeing, you know, the use of kind of mobile browsers and things like that to emulate, you know, users. Um, and then what we saw then the following year was this explosion, like an 11% increase in sophistication. So they're now using these kind of mobile browsers and then they're coming in and being much more evasive. So they would start rotating IP addresses and things like that or coming through different proxies or, or they start emulating human behaviors. You know, like, you know, they can try to emulate how a mouse might move and things like that. Um, and the whole idea there is to, to obfuscate the fact that they're, they're, they're automated bots. And that's continuing. That, that, that is the one feature that we see for sure. The sophistication just keeps going up. Uh, and what we see now is part of that is that sophistication is now they're trying to take it. And this is especially true of API security. So like last year, for example, 17% of attacks against APIs were what we call business logic attacks. And this is by bots. And what that meant is they go in and they surveil the application. They look at, you know, basically the endpoints or they go and look and see what are the parameters and, and they try to inject information, see what comes back and take advantage of that. And eventually they'd map out the entire application, find vulnerabilities, and they either do things like account takeover, inject malicious code, things like that. Um, and that's that's a big that's a big uh, a big vector for attack because you know your your application logic, your business logic tends to be very complex and broad, and it's changing all the time. So it's really hard to necessarily for developers to kind of stay on top of that, and ensure that they're not opening up vulnerabilities or exploits. I mean, look at any source you know um, open source project; these are big developer, you know, centric, you know, solutions, and they're changing all the time. And you're always just seeing tons of vulnerabilities as a result of that. So it's no different when you're in-house. Um, and just imagine now multiplying your problem by all this open source that you're leveraging in there and, and then stitching it together with vulnerable APIs. So it creates that big attack surface. And so what that means now is these, these, you know, these, you know, you try to defend against these, um, these malicious users by saying, I'm going to do behavioral analysis. I'm going to watch and see what they're doing and over time observe this. And then based on that, block that. Well, uh, with as, as AI, we're talking about this, as AI becomes more sophisticated and the use of it becomes more sophisticated, it's going to be much harder to detect a valid user for, from an invalid user because they're just going to get much better at emulating human behaviors. Um, you know, things like CAPTCHAs. You know, today CAPTCHA is kind of a way to slow down hackers, right? You go and throw the CAPTCHA up and you assume a human can get at it. Uh, it it's the only one that can solve that. Well, that's going to change. You know, you already, you already have CAPTCHA farms now. Those are going to kind of go away because anybody using AI will be able to start to evade 
you know, using behavioral mechanisms. And so what that means now is that you have to look at your toolkit differently. You know, here we do things like we do client side injections. We actually look at the client, try to figure out, you know, you know, based on what it is, how it responds to specific messages or things we send down to it, its history, you know, previous we fingerprint, things like that. And that way it helps us, you know, set some credibility, you know, understand what it's doing. Um, we use other mechanisms like, um, um, you know, looking at low level transactions between memory and CPU space and seeing if they're, you know, accessing invalid parts of the memory or doing things they shouldn't be. That's with our RAS products. Um, so, you know, my belief is you kind of kind of go towards the client. You got to kind of go towards down in the stack. Um, and these are the mechanisms that are going to become much more effective in detecting these AI induced attacks, or they'll be part of that toolkit, I guess is the way to say it. I hope that makes sense. I know I'm kind of you know going over a bunch of stuff here, but um, hopefully. Uh, it certainly does. And, and, and I mean, your your point on the CAPTCHA, CAPTCHA is only good if if you're trying to enter through the CAPTCHA. But if you if you know the logic and, and can go around the CAPTCHA or through an API that doesn't interact with the CAPTCHA, the CAPTCHA doesn't matter anyway. And then if it does Right. does get encountered like to your point there are many many tools and technologies to, to kind of help you get through that from a bot perspective too so i, I want to look at this from uh, a sector perspective because over 10 years um, a lot of the new technology may have and and customizations and and growth and scale and things like that may have been focused or only absorbed and used by certain industries. And I think it's probably used by every industry now. Uh, some of the things I mentioned earlier, I right? know they're homegrown apps and, and use of the cloud and things like that. And, and certainly with that, the use of open source and, and APIs and, and whatnot. So how have, how have the sectors changed in terms of bot activity? Um, are, are there any particular sectors that continue to be prime targets? Are there other new ones that, that have been targets? Uh, is it, are they targets or is it a matter of uh, just the nets being tossed and, and those fish now are in this sea that they weren't before? Kind of paint that picture for us, if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and it has changed a bit. I mean, the number one you know, place to go attack is you know, the financial services industry, you know, banks and others. Uh, you know, account takeover attacks, you know, carding scams, you know, things like that, because those those have real money sitting behind them, you know, like a carding scam. If you can take like a gift card or a credit card and you can just start pumping numbers in there until you get a hit, um, then and then that's this cash basically that's gone. And so those are those are, you know, you, you see a lot of those. There's others. Um, I'd say one of the bigger ones now is like on either e you know, e-commerce side because of the explosion of e-commerce and especially over the code, you know, during the, the close downs with COVID, that's just, that's really exploded. And so everything from, like I mentioned earlier, these Grinch bot attacks where they were buying like gaming consoles at Christmas time and then reselling those for like four times the price. Um, they do that like a lot of times for like uh, events, tickets and things like that. Um, but you also see like within the leisure and travel industry, um, a lot going on there with um, web scraping, would you say, or scraping for like pricing information. So if you get your competitors pricing and you can get that, then you can adjust your pricing and, and do that. And so there's things like that that go on uh, in a number of areas. So uh, one of the big ones we saw last year, and this actually wound up being more about DDoS style attacks, was um, you know geopolitical. Um, when geopolitical strife is hit, we'd see like a lot of attacks like on government sites. You know, you can imagine the countries where some of this was happening, especially back at the start of the Ukraine, you know, Russia conflict. Um, but you saw it in other parts of the world when there's other, you know, issues, you know, and other other things where they'd come in, attack government websites, shut down services and do things like that. So you're seeing more of the kind of things happening based on politics or political events or, you know, world events, geopolitical events, I should say. So what, um, what are some of the most... And I don't know if, you, if they're called payloads, uh, <laughs> the, the, the outcomes of these uh, malicious acts performed by bots. You mentioned DDoS as one example, scraping mm -hmm. of prices is another. Can you, can you kind of give us a, a picture of what some of those common ones are and, and if there have been any significant changes in the last 10 years or even just last year? 
with some of those? Yeah, I mean, one of, one of the big ones is account takeover attacks. Um, because what, what attackers will tend to do is um, you have these data breaches and then they'll sell that breached material online to these attackers. And then what they do is they buy it and then basically they just keep trying different sites um, and just sequencing through these credentials or these credit cards or whatever these, this data they have um, and then in hopes to get a hit. Um, and that's, that's kind of, that's one profile. Um, but to do that, Obviously, they, they have to use you know evasive technology you know very evasive te techniques because trying a bunch of you know if you try a bunch of logins from one IP address that's going to get caught right away you know that's a basic thing you can set up on any Linux server three strikes and you're out right um, so what they do is they rotate IP addresses um, or they will rotate um, where they're coming from geo you know from different geos because it's easy to block on geos so I might say oh I'm going to block addresses from this country. Um, well, they can go through a proxy somewhere and do that. They can also then, um, then you know, defeat challenges. You know, because another technique is to say, okay, I, I think you might be a um, an invalid user, so I'm going to present a challenge like a captcha, or they have to enter some other information. So I think you know those those are become those will become easier to defeat. But but you know, account takeovers is probably the most common one that we that we see out there. Um, and again, we're beginning to see now the rise of the business logic attacks, like I mentioned earlier. Um, that's more aligned with APIs. APIs have become really that new area where there's just so much focus from attackers because um, that market has not matured yet. You know, they, you know, the, the belief was, oh, my API gateway is safe because I'm authenticating the user. Well, that's all fine, but how do you, you know, how do you manage an invalid user? You know, that, that stole some credentials or something else, and they're able then to get in and then, you know, have at it on your API backend. There's nothing looking at the actual data, for example, or how the, you know, how they're trying to manipulate the flows or the business logic within the application. So we're seeing a lot more of those types of attacks. Like I mentioned, about 70% of bot, bad bot attacks were, were these API attacks, you know, um, so against the business logic. Yeah, I know Marco's probably jumping to get in, but I, I have one more one more point on this that I wanted to, to touch on is it's about the the advanced piece and uh, more so the the invasive nature of these things. Um, certainly, not a lot of money to investment to to get a bot running, and if there's a lot of low hanging fruit, it doesn't have to be too advanced. It can be simple, right? To to create a bot that does something for you, especially if it's very targeted. You know, there's a weakness there that you can exploit. Um, as the surface becomes more complex, certainly there's more, but more complex. And as the logic is more complex and perhaps even some of the, um, some of the protect general protections that are in place, uh, become a bit better. The, they have to become more advanced in, in how they conduct their activities. But then there's this idea of being evasive. So not just advanced in its ability to succeed, but it's also an ability to remain undetected, right? <laughs> so you, you know, don't know that actually something actually bad happened. So I don't know if I described any of that in, in a good way or not, but if you can kind of give us the description of those levels and what, what organizations need to think about with that in mind. Yeah. I, no, I, I think it's a great, a great question because, um, these bot attacks, like I said, the, the sophistication is going up and we see what we call a lot of these low and slow attacks. It's not like an attacker shows up and just throws the kitchen sink um, and everything at, at you. It's um, they tend to show up and they'll try one thing from one IP address. A little bit later, they'll try something else. And they'll just continue to do that kind of probing in a way that makes it very hard to detect. Um, unless you're actually keeping track of all these different login attempts and what the behaviors look like and then be able to correlate and then that start to establish that there's that you know that there is an ongoing attack that this is actually bots coming in and doing this and that's that's why it's so important to think about having um, you know the, you know the, the a bot protection solution because um, it's what's delivering the the attacker's intent you know it's what's delivering the bad things um and if, so if you can eliminate that surface you've taken out a big chunk or you even mitigate it you've taken out a big chunk of that toolkit that they go after you with um, now of course the key is 
you got to allow the good bots in because they're, like I said earlier, there's plenty of good bots. So you have to look for solutions that are able to reject with high fidelity, you know, the bad, the attackers and the bad guys, um, but, but present low false positives so that you're not blocking business. But the, the big thing we always hear is don't stop my business. You know I mean? That's not security, right? That, that becomes a brick and I can't deal with that. So, you know, you have to, you have to ensure that that business continuity goes on and that that's key for this. Um, so, so, you know, low and slow is the most insidious. In fact, this, you might find this interesting. Uh, one thing we started seeing was we'd start seeing these like DDoS attacks, you know, like these network DDoS attacks. Um, and then, you know, the, the IT teams would get fired up and be focused on that and reducing that. Well, behind the scenes, it was obscuring these, these bot level kind of bad bot attacks, you know, these low and slow attacks kind of coming in around it. And they couldn't, they weren't paying attention to other events or alerts going on the back end because they had all this noise on the front end. Um, and so that, that's why we also think that it's important to, to, you know, to have a solution that's multi-layered. That is that one that can reject those types of attacks that can reject, you know, web app taps, other, you know, bot attacks and present kind of that unified picture of what's going on. Um, so you can capture this because I also think that's gonna be the future is that you're gonna get attacked on a number of fronts um, but only one is really trying to go in and get your critical assets, your data or your finance or, you know, you know, money, if you will, or Bitcoin, whatever. That's 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 the profile, I think, that we're going to continue to see more and more of as AI gets more sophisticated you know, for these tasks. Well, you went there. You said future, you said AI, so I'm going for it. Uh, <laughs> All so right. When, when you were talking about, um, you know, the detection part and how sophisticated they are. You mentioned shop, uh, CAPTCHA and whatever. And I'm thinking like, this is the same problem they were having in detecting. This is something be written by ChatGPT. Is it done by uh, DALI or another online, uh, you know, Mid Journey or whatever? I mean, how good is it going to get? And, and I'm wondering if, because I had the story about I heard the story about this, this student making a paper that he was so good and creative that the teacher told, you must have done it with ChatGPT because it, it was kind of too good, the assumption. So in a way, I'm thinking, do we need to start looking at fault into the humanity because the, 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 the bot is going to be so good that you're going to tell you're too good, you're too human, and you don't look, maybe you're not, the human anymore i mean it's it's a big philosophical question here and i want to touch that with where are we going with this because i feel like it's it's not financial the, the damage to the business it's it's going to become much more than that i mean it could be still financial ultimately but coming from copyright issue and branding proposition that are completely distorted so truth false uh, I'm I'm a little bit concerned. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> I'm a lot concerned. <laughs> I mean, the, the the simple simple use case of the the, the false uh, reviews driven by bots and things like that, right? I mean, it's just one to your point on Marco on branding and and and, and no. credibility and all that kind of stuff. No, it's not just the stealing yeah. the credential. It's actually say, you know, I'm going to damage you like a, yeah. at the base of your reputation. So yeah. I don't know. Some some thought on that. Yeah, I mean that's that's that is you know the typical DDoS type attack, right? It's to damage your reputation because it takes your service down um, in some fashion, or you know ransomware is another kind of variant of that, right? You're, they're basically holding your service hostage so either you cough up money or they have some other political or other motivation in the end that that they want to have you know taken care of as a result of that. Um, the way, the way I tend to think of it with AI and ML is that, yes, you'll be able to much more easily emulate valid humans, right? So, uh, and you're right that that probably if things look too perfect, then that may be a flag. But it, in and it itself won't be enough to, to make that kind of determination. That's what I'm saying. You have to use other factors to validate and see because it all becomes part of the toolkit. Um, behavioral mechanisms are just going to become less effective in that. You can't weight those as much. You have to look and find other ways to establish integrity of that. And the fact that, um, you know, AI will be so fast in how it learns and responds, that'll also be more difficult because now, in, you know, now, hey, if I'm going to, you know, get a botnet going, I'll get some feedback, I'll see what's happening. Maybe I put some instructions in there 
but I don't know necessarily what's getting rejected, what's not. And it takes me time as the attacker to go and update the code, you know, update the botnets and do that. Well, AI is going to do this in real time. You know, it's going to be able to just quickly learn, figure out, hey, I'm going to map out this business logic in a, you know, say minutes versus days or weeks that it would take a typical hacker to go through and figure that out. So it's going to be more about kind of speed and being able to act quickly and, and use more of these immutable mechanisms to give me a sense of the integrity of that connection than trying to kind of ferret it out based upon what they're doing. So that's the way it has to go. And that's why I said you got to kind of go down stack and see what's actually happening under the hood more or go and look at the client and see what they're doing. Identity will become another component of this as well, just making sure that there's high integrity in the intake. But, but um, you're gonna have to look in those, those, those three or four areas um, instead now where a lot of behavioral mechanisms are used, you know, um, in you know, different products. And so kind of with the, I can't help now, but, but look at the, the future <laughs> to see where might we end up with this, but let, let's, let's kind of look back 10 years to now as well, kind of the growth of, of automation and good versus bad. Um, where do we sit in terms of, I mean, how much, how much human traffic to automated traffic was there early on 10 years ago compared to now and how much is good versus bad early, early on compared to now? Cause my sense is the, the, the automated well, the automated is going to make it just the scale difficult to, to really get a handle on. And then the, uh, the fact that the, there's so much bad, you're spending a lot of time finding bad that, that there might be something good there. You're to your point earlier, you're blocking a lot of bad and, but also blocking a lot of good. So I don't, any, any insights onto some of that, that change over the last 10 years? Yeah. I mean, this year alone, just in one year, uh, we went up, over 5% and the amount of traffic that was automated to almost 50%, it's like 47.4%. So it just continues to climb. Um, I believe it was roughly half that um, 10 years ago in the percent of, of just bot traffic. So it just continues to climb. In a few years, it's probably gonna get to 70, 80%. I mean, that's just the nature of it um, because more and more automation is being leveraged, You know, everything from mobile applications to these B2B apps to, to ha having highly distributed applications all over the place to IoT. IoT is another great example. Um, in fact, I IoT is probably another good example of, you know, um, things that, that, that can be used to create botnets and things like that, um, right? Because you'd see a lot of, you know, for example, 10 years ago, one of the big exploits was hacking cameras, internet IP exposed cameras, you know, things like that. And then they were, it turned out those were actually a big source of botnet attacks at that time. Now it's all over the place, but, but I expect that to continue to grow, but, but it, it's, it's been, you know, um, right now it's about, like I said, roughly half the traffic. Um, and of that traffic, 30% of that are bad bots. So, you know, so that's, you know, so we're talking, you know, 15% roughly of all traffic on the internet, bad stuff, <laughs> you know, that's a lot of bad traffic out there, isn't it? Wow. And, and so, yeah, exactly. Um, is there, is there an impact on, on uh, bandwidth and throughput. I mean, because that's that's a lot of just garbage uh, on the internet. I don't know how much of that actually then enters into a business as bad that kind of slows other processes down. Uh, any, any, I don't know if that's part of the report or not. Sorry for not knowing, but any any insight on on that? Yeah, I mean, bot traffic um, in general um, is more transactional. You know, you know, aside from like a DDoS attack, that's typically, you know, more of that volumetric style. I'm just going to throw a bunch of network, you know, things at, 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 you know, at somebody's, you know, website or their, their, their network. Um, whereas the, the sophisticated attacks tend to be pretty low bandwidth because all they're doing is trying to get into that application. So it's just so not, a, not a lot of pipe filling with these. Not, no, no, yeah. you don't need to. In fact, yeah. that, that's one of the reasons they moved that sophistication is that you can have a much smaller botnet. You don't need to have these massive volumes of stuff being tossed at, you know, you know, front ends, if you will. Which then makes it difficult, more difficult to detect because it's not filling up your pipe and slowing stuff down either. Yeah, you can't just look at a threshold and say, oops, yeah. there we go. You know, yeah. Yeah, you can't do that. It's, it's kind of like what you were saying is 
eventually if, if there is the noise the noise is the distraction and then the the real attack it's it's goes more undetected so it's uh it's, it's make me think about you know strategic uh war <laughs> war strategies here like you know make some smoke there but then we do the attack on the other side but it also makes me think uh, maybe we, we we start closing with this the fact that there was the number about the advanced um attack classified as advanced and i remember one of the past uh, year that we were doing the reports we went through the whole classification of you know what's bad what's worst what's even worse and so forth and now it seems like the advanced one are the ones that are prevalent um i was looking at uh 51 percent uh yeah uh, more than the year before classified as a as advanced and I cannot not think about this is due to, again, machine learning and AI, where everybody can just go and say, hey, write me a code for, for something really effective. So oh, everybody could be a potentially just become a bad guy. Yep, cert certainly. Yeah, we saw it double last year. Basically, it went from 25% of bad bots to 50 over 51%. Yeah. Um, so yeah, AI for sure is playing a role in that. Also, just the availability of the toolkits, the hacker toolkits out there. Uh, and those are, you know, become more freely available. And then also the fact that I think that the targets over APIs and, you know, is necessitated more of these sophisticated attacks, plus just the you know, general, you know, bot solutions, you know, such as ours has just gotten so much better in the last few years in terms of their ability to defend against these attacks. So they're, they have to move up in order to get that, you know, pay dirt, if you will. Um, but, but yeah, and I, I expect this, I bet you next year, the percentage will be 75% probably. That would be my guess right now. Um, you know, just because I think everything has to move in that direction. It'll get a lot easier to do that. And I was looking at the report. It looks like the uh, the top two countries are America and Australia, um, which shows me that well, they're both English speaking. <laughs> so I don't know what if you have any sense of what makes them targets. Is it that there's just a lot of innovation there, or that they are English speaking, or and do the bots care about the? Uh, the spoken language of the people that it's targeting? Does that matter? I, no, I, I think it has to do probably with the openness, first of all. Uh, you know, for example, U.S., you know, open country, biggest economy in the world. So that shouldn't be a surprise. And we're probably the biggest online presence in the world, you know, if you think about it, right? Um, every bank, every, you know. Um, Australia, obviously, is a bit smaller, but, but there are, they also tend to be, at least my experience, is they tend to be very forward-looking on adoption of internet technologies and all that. Some of our biggest customers for Improva are down there and they're definitely ahead of the curve. We have a very large bank we work with down there and some others. And I've worked with many in the in my previous lives. Um, so, so I think it's just more about online presence, sophistication, openness of the country. I don't think it has the, I don't think it matters, um, you know, languages or cultures or things like that. It's more tech presence and the ability to, to, to for, for, hackers to find kind of a fertile ground to go after. I don't know if, uh, if, if it's uh, possible or not, but I mean, the, we've talked a bit about the impact it can have. Um, we didn't talk specifically numbers of how much these things cost yet, but um, clearly there's a, there's a need to mitigate this stuff, right? And obviously you have customers, so they trust you to help, help mitigate this risk and, and protect their apps from these bots. Um, any stories you can share where organizations saw um, a large bot attack that could have taken them down or cost them a huge amount of money or, or just simply overwhelmed their team to where they, they couldn't deal with other things? Um, Kind of the, the deal with the noise and then the business falls falls apart <laughs> as you're doing that. Any uh, any stories you can share with us? Yeah, I mean, uh, I can't talk about specific customers. There's a few. I mean, where we see some of the biggest, you know, large scale attacks has been travel industry. You know, like booking airline reservations and things like that. And um, 
you know, we that's actually a big vertical for us. But that's where we see some of the biggest kind of web scraping attacks. And I was kind of surprised to see the volume or the amount or the, you know, the the ingenuity of those attackers um, to the point where if, if we're not protecting, you know, they, they go into paralysis because they just get such a volume of traffic because everything's hitting their APIs. It actually gets expensive for them. They actually lose money because they're having to pay so much because, you know, hey, API gateways charge usually by transaction or there's other things, you know, you're moving a lot of data around on the back ends. It actually costs them quite a bit of money not to have a solution there to reduce that traffic. So it's not always just the data and protecting the assets, but it was literally hundreds of thousands of dollars that they were spending, you know, to, you know, to deal with this additional volume of traffic that they didn't didn't want to deal with. So that that that's one example uh, of one that that we we've seen. Um, there's there's others where um, large basically it was a large company. It was funny they were they're very happy with us. They're protecting we're protecting one of their other sites, um, and then they came under attack on an unprotected site, and um, it was just raising hell with the system. And it, it was kind of funny because um, the CISO that that ran it um, he said that. Um, without getting into specifics, they, they had released a new product. And it was one of the biggest product offerings ever And uh, for them. You know, they hadn't done it in years. And what normally had happened in the past, they're worried about web scrapers get, you know, these, these actually these Grinch bot types getting on buying a bunch of this. Um, and so it, and so they're, they're very concerned about that. We we're protecting that. And what happened was at the end of it, um, he said that we were so effective. He, he had something happen that had never happened before. He actually got complimented on how good the infrastructure handled this. Um, and it was funny because then a few days later, then they came under attack to an unprotected site. They called us. We, we sat up in front of it. We took that down. But it, it was the first time actually, you know, he said that he's ever been, you know, they had somebody actually compliment him on, on something. So I thought, good. That's that's something to put in a check, you know, hey, security, <laughs> we actually made a CISO happy. He got a compliment. You know, that was a new one for me. Yeah, usually when people are happy, do not uh, necessarily write reviews, right? But when they are pissed, <laughs> that, that's when you get a lot of it. So a CISO that get compliments, that, that goes in the book. Yeah, sure. I figure they're going to be a customer for a while. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You, you said the magic word for me, and that that's infrastructure. And and don't need to look 10 years back necessarily to talk about this. I'm, I'm more interested in, in the now. Um, because because the problem has grown so much and the sophistication and the advancement of, of the the bad technologies have, have uh, flourished how does an ex and the infra i guess the company's infrastructures have changed dramatically as well so how does imperva now keep up with and fit into the modern environments that are multi-hybrid cloud with containers and Kubernetes and apps everywhere and, and open source and shared this and, and API that, and uh, you get the picture. It's, it's uh, how does Imperva fit into an organization now where a team can actually manage it? And perhaps you help them with that as well uh, to stay ahead of this. Yeah. I mean, the, the way we're focusing is that we want to protect apps regardless of where they're running which means apps, um, and to do that means we have to be able to provide protections, whether they're public facing apps, they're private apps, they're running their own infrastructure, they're running cloud infrastructure, it, it doesn't matter to us. We wanna make sure that we can apply our protections in a lightweight, easy way to consume. So customers can buy our SaaS offerings or they can buy what we call our Anywhere offerings. Um, they're all centrally managed, and can be deployed in a way that, hey, I just want to use your service. So for example, you know what, I got a web app. Um, it's a public facing web app. I'm just going to let you front end it with our with your your web service. Well, um, then maybe later that same customer comes back and says, you know, I have these APIs. Some are public, some are private. So what I'd like to be able to do is defend the public ones, but I also need the same security policies to defend the private ones because Yes, maybe I don't expose them to the internet, but they still get access and they're still being transacted. And we want to apply protections to these in the same way. So our view is like, let's have one set of policies and multiple ways to, to allow customers to, to, to leverage that. Um, and so that's kind of the key, that's one key aspect of it. The other is that they have to fit within these frameworks, right? Is that, that is, if you're running like a, you know, a cloud native 
off, you know, basically, or you're, excuse me, if you're running an application that's built on a cloud native technology, let's say Kubernetes, um, to apply protections, you can't have some big heavyweight thing sitting in there. It actually has to operate seamlessly with that with that microservices environment. So it has to plug in nicely to that. Um, and so that's the other aspect of it is that it's lightweight and easy to fit um, with how these highly distributed apps, you know, wherever they're going. Uh, and then finally, you have to have that intelligence to to block these types of trans, you know, types of malicious behaviors. And so, you know, we we have a variety of mechanisms, everything from machine learning, but also we have a we have a dedicated threat research team. And what they do is they're they're you know looking everywhere. They use various mechanisms to detect everything from honeypots to you know different ways to interrogate and um, and and look for malicious behaviors. We we look across our existing, you know, we have, you know, thousands of customers and we see all the transaction histories across that, meaning that we see all the events and what's happening and we're able to, you know, see attacks as they evolve in many cases. In fact, the log for shell attack that happened, we actually saw it developing about a week beforehand. We started seeing this kind of pop up. And once we were able to get a, you know, insight what's going on, we, we had it blocked immediately. So all customers, by the time it got announced about a week later, we have been blocking, protecting our customers for days. Um, so, uh, so you know, we see those type, we get that kind of visibility. So we have to continue with that. We have to always be out there. We're trying to be in, you know, again, like I said, it's an arms race um, and we have to stay in front of it. And as we go on, you know, AI and machine learning, which we already leverage, is gonna become a much bigger component of that because it's not just about using the automation it provides. I think of it as the force multiplication it provides, the ability to assist our threat research team and their mission and being able to ferret things out quicker and much with these more sophisticated attacks. That's where I think the real value is um, for, for us as a, as a security company. Nice. And it, are there cases, uh, I would imagine if, if a bot's extremely successful um, and it has a, a significant impact on some, some operation that ends up impacting uh, financial results, <laughs> It's pretty obvious, right? And and you probably yeah. get that call. Are there are there less obvious scenarios where the bots are running under the radar and and scraping little bits here and there, so you don't you don't really see the the, the big impact, but there is an impact. And if so, how how do you work with companies to to kind of uncover that um, to let them know that they have a problem that they didn't even realize? Yeah, I mean, w one of the key mechanisms for us. Um, is to, to, to show them the problem. Um, and we do that through a variety of mechanisms. Um, but the, one of the big ones is that if, if, you know, if they're already running on our service, it's very easy for us to say, well, you know, do you know what you're, you know, do you, do you know how many APIs you're using? Do you know what the endpoints look like? You know, for example, we can do that discovery process and then show that to them. You know, we, we offer what we call attack analytics. And so that shows kind of these these different um, categories of attacks or threats that they're experiencing. Same thing with like bots. You know, the problem is, like you said, um, most uh, most out there actually don't realize they have a bot problem. But it's actually happening all the time, and they don't realize these things are just ongoing on their sites. Um, and so, you know, it's it's not until, like you said, that something actually gets breached or some bad thing happens that they're they're necessarily cognizant of that. It could be ransomware, could be whatever. And so, you know, we try to show them, hey, look, we saw these type, we saw these account takeover attempts. Um, so you might want to do something about that, right? You know, this is not a good thing. Um, you know, some some uh, percentage of that, fifteen percent of bad, <laughs> exactly, is, it, is is going their way, <laughs> even if it's not all fifteen percent. Some of it is. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you right now, if you've got a website, you got bot, you got bad bot activity on it. No matter who you are, it's just out there, and it's just a matter of time that they're going to find something, or you're a big enough target, and it'll just happen. It's, but it's out there everywhere. Just given that number, I, I still remember. This goes back eight years, nine years. I this is my home network. I opened up. Um, I was doing some backups between systems, um, and you have to open up uh, port 22, which is SSH, right? So I'm on an ephemeral IP address on my home router, and within an hour, I had four different attacks um, where they came in and tried to do account takeover. Um, basically just throwing like, you know, basically default passwords and things like that at it. But that was with the on ephemeral IP addresses, or excuse me, I, you know, ephemeral ports, if you will, um, I, on ephemeral IP, IP addresses uh, on a home network. That's how, per, and that was eight or nine years ago. So what that meant is that there was just 
bots out there trolling just to see if that port was open, port 22. Um, so now we're eight years later, much bigger network, much more sophisticated bots. You can only imagine what that looks like. It's just everywhere pervasive all the time. Pervasive. I think that's the, uh, that's the takeaway word. <laughs> the operating word, pervasiveness. Yes. <laughs> Which, uh, means, means you need to be persistent in, uh, in how you deal with it. Um, well, Carl, I mean, this has been a fantastic chat, uh, a nice look back, um, maybe not the best messed up uplifting uh, subject until you until we talk about the fact that you can you can protect yourself against this, protect the business from it. Um, but in, interesting to take a look back to see how we've how we've progressed over the years, both in the operating environment and in the uh, the, the attack space. Um, any any final thoughts uh, before we wrap here? Yeah, no, just uh, just to reiterate, like I said, you know, I think pervasiveness is the key thing and that mm -hmm. it's out there. People don't see it um, until something bad happens um, and you you want to you want to stay in front of this. And, it's, and, and the opportunity for bad things to happen is just going to increase, I think. So I know it's not that, the, you know, the most uplifting message, like you said, but <laughs> but but, uh, you know, there are companies like us that, that help and manage that. And and, you know, like I said, that's all we focus on. That, that's, you know, we're not trying to be beyond that. That's, you know, security is our thing. Um, and it's something we spent 20 years hopefully getting right. And we, we barely scratched the surface in the bad bot report. I and mean, there's so much information in there. I mean, it's probably the same message at the end of each of these conversations we've had over the last few years, that there's so much pertinent info there that uh, your organization can glean and, and help you define where you should focus based on your size and your industry and the environment that you're running in and blah, 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 all these factors. And thankfully, Carl and, and team at Aperva uh, have your back here. So um, we'll include links to the BadBot reports and to the BadBot uh, protection solution and services uh, so folks can look at all of those things. Of course, uh, Carl's profile will be in the notes as well. So if you have a question specific uh, that uh, Carl can answer, not me, <laughs> you'll be able to contact him there as well. Um, good stuff, Marco. I mean, we, we started with ghosts. No ghost here, just 15% uh, bad there's, bots. And there are still ghosts. Care. There are ghosts. That's They're right. all in the machine. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that was my, you know, Drum roll at the end. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thank you, Carl. Uh, very interesting conversation. Really appreciate it. And always appreciate Imperva to join us for this fantastic conversation that we hope are very educational for our audience and uh, certainly was for me. Yep. Right. Annual tradition. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, check out Imperva. Stay tuned for more conversations. There's a lot going on. Love the team there. So thanks everybody. Talk to you soon. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you learned something new and the story made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24.